Many Christians struggle with living as the brand new creature in Christ that they really are because they think, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm holy enough. I don't think I'm righteous enough. Well, that's right. You are not. But the Lord Jesus Christ is, and that makes a world of difference for you in the enjoyment of the blessed new life. Next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos, and today we're wrapping up our Blessed Beyond Imagination series. And uh, here at the end of this series, we've been looking at the in Christ realities of the believer. Let me say that again, in Christ realities. Folks, these are realities. These are not theoretical things. These are the truth about who you truly, really are in Christ. And this is who you really are, believer, because you are in Christ. And you are not you are in Christ not because of what you have done, but because what God the Father has done, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1:30, but of him, speaking of God, you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Being in Christ is not being in a position or uh, merely your identity. Rather, being in Christ means you are in a person the Lord Jesus Christ. You may ask, well, how do I find out who I really am in Christ? Well, as we've been saying in the last uh, three or four episodes, it's in your Bible. Look up the verses that say, in Christ, or in Him, or through Christ, or through Him, or because of Christ, or because of Him, things like that. This is God's Word, And it's true whether you feel or experience it or not. Now, the last time, we talked about the problems that believers have in experiencing this reality in their daily lives and why they have these problems. One of the things that we looked at, it's because they think it is something that they should do. In other words, you have to do to be in Christ. Well, that's the original lie from Satan going all the way back to the garden. No, it's it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what Christ has already done. You are a new creature, which means the creator, not you, has done it. It is finished. Another problem, people don't see it in their lives, so they think it's less than real. But you see, the problem there is they're looking at things carnally after the flesh and not according to the Spirit. The Bible, in Romans chapter 6 and other places, speaks of our union with Christ. And that is the union of two, Christ and you. And dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the bigger part of the two. 
Also, we have a tendency to look at ourselves after the flesh, naturally or outwardly, rather than understanding that we are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. You see, the biggest problem is that even Christians are ignorant of these in-Christ realities. They're not in God's Word, the Bible, to find these things out for themselves. Again, let me encourage you to dig into your Bible, look up those verses, those in-Christ verses that I mentioned, uh, and how to do that a few moments ago. Okay, that's review. Today, another problem that hinders Christians from fully enjoying the new life and the new creature that they really are is this. It's the mentality, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm holy enough. I don't think I'm righteous enough. And as I said at the beginning of the program, that's right, you are not good enough. You are not holy enough. You are not righteous enough. God didn't choose you because you are good enough, righteous enough, or holy enough, or qualified enough. God chose you because he is that good. And the goodness and the righteousness and the holiness is not of yourself. It is of God. Now, we talked about 1 Corinthians one thirty: Of him are you in Christ who has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. But you got to see this in context. You've got to see 1 Corinthians one thirty in context. So we're going to, if you would, if you've got your Bible handy and it's uh, you're in a safe place to be able to read it, not behind the wheel of your car, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll pick it up in verse 26. Now remember, this is what God is saying to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Listen to this, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And here it is, verse 30, but of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now, dear friend, God did not choose the hotshots of the world. He didn't choose the powerful necessarily or the wise or the noble. But it says here in this text that God has chosen the weak things of the world. Why? To put to shame the things that are mighty. Now, that put to shame literally means to bring to nothing. So God 
brings to nothing brings to nothing the mighty things of the world by choosing the weak things of the world. God brings to nothing the things that the world thinks is so great by uh, choosing the base things of the world and the things which are despised of the world God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Isn't that powerful? Well, why did he do this? Why did he pick the weak things of the world, the base things of the world, the despised things of the world, even the nothings of the world? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, in the eyes of the world, this person over here who might be a star in whatever field it might be, is nothing compared to God. God is the master of the universe. He's the creator of all. And in his presence, there is no glory. Because we are not God. He alone is God. We are not the creator. He is the creator. And we are the wee little creature that no flesh should glory in his presence. Oh, but that doesn't mean that God leaves us without. Verse 30 says this, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. It is not because of you or me. It is not because of what we've done. It is because of God himself, who he is, what he is, and what he has done. Verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. That is God's doing, not yours. Second, the Lord Jesus Christ himself has been made unto us by God. God has made the Lord Jesus for me, for you, wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Do you see that? My Wisdom is not from myself. It is because of the Lord Jesus Christ and having him. My righteousness is not of myself. It's not how righteous I've acted or whatever. No, my righteousness is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. My sanctification is not a process. My Sanctification is not a crisis, as religion teaches us. No, my sanctification is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father made him unto me and to you sanctification, and he has made the Lord Jesus Christ himself our redemption. You see, dear friend, if you have Christ, and every believer does, then look, you have all. So how in the world could you have Jesus, who is all, and you do, believer, how can you have him and not have all that he has? How can you have the one who is the healer and not have healing? How can you have the prince of peace and not have peace? Peace. You know, people will pray for healing, 
as if they don't have healing. Dear friend, you have the healer. That means you have healing. Healing in your life is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith grabs a hold of that reality. You pray for peace. No, don't pray for peace. That's wasting your time. You're wasting God's time. Why? Because you have an infinite supply of peace. You have the Prince of Peace. You say, oh, I feel so stupid. I feel so foolish. How can you have the one who is all-wise, who's been made wisdom unto us, and not have wisdom? You might moan, oh, I'm so unrighteous. I'm so sinful. Dear believer, how can you have the one who is called the King of Righteousness in Hebrews 7 and not have righteousness? Look, dear friend, your healing is not an it. Your healing is a person, the healer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your peace is not an it. Your peace is a person, the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your wisdom is not an it. Your wisdom is a person who is all-wise, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your righteousness is not a thing to get, but your righteousness is a person, the King of Righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sanctification, your holiness, is not a thing to get. It is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, this is revolutionary teaching that's never heard in the church today. I don't know where it is but I never hear it. And that is a shame because 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, God says, I have made Jesus unto you, Mark, unto you, listening friend, all of this. He is my completeness. He is my totality. And so it's all about enjoying relationship with the one who is my peace, who is my healing who is my righteousness, who is my goodness. Now that's good preaching, (laughs) coming straight from the word of God. You see, friend, you and I are in the blessings of God, not because you or I are so worthy, but because of what God the Father has accomplished in and through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what it says over in Romans chapter 4. Turn over to Romans chapter 4 in your Bible, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5. Now remember, Romans, of all the Bible books, Romans is the book about the gospel, the real gospel of grace. And remember, First, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, talks about the wrath of God being revealed against the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And from that point, Romans 1.18, all the way through to Romans 3.20, it's a sad story of man's rebellion against God and that God is vindicated in his judgment against unrighteous, sinful, ungodly, unrighteous man. But then it says... Romans 1.17 tells us that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Then over in Romans chapter 3, it says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's not your righteousness. 
It's righteousness of another, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we come over to Romans chapter 4. Are you there? Let's pick it up in verse 5. But to him, listen, who does not work. Yeah, you read that right. Does not work, but believes on him who justifies the righteous? No. The good? No. The holy? No. The obedient? No. It says who justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness, listen, apart from works. Quoting that text here in Romans 4, over in Psalms, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Okay, folks, right here in Romans, and particularly in Romans 4, 5 through 8, let's just look at what this says. God, first of all, justifies, and the Bible word for justify means to give us the same standing before God that the Lord Jesus Christ has. It says in Romans 3, verse 26, to demonstrate his righteousness that he might be just. You and I are not just in and of ourselves before holy God. Jesus is to be just and the justifier of him who has faith in Christ. The great reformer Martin Luther once declared that the church's doctrine of justification is the doctrine upon which it rises or falls. Dear friend, this is so important. You, your standing, my standing before God, is not at all ever based upon your righteousness or my righteousness. It is based upon the righteousness of another credited to us, imputed to us. That's this next part. Here in Romans chapter 4, we are blessed because God imputes. That word imputes uh, refers to an accounting term, uh, the idea of crediting something to someone's account. God imputes, credits the righteousness, not our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ to your account, to my account. Listen, apart from works. It has absolutely nothing to do with our works or what we do. Verse 7 says this, that the blessed person is the one whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Verse 8, blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. And this here in Romans chapter 4, quoting these verses back in the book of Psalms, referencing King David speaking prophetically, these words speak in the midst of the true gospel of the righteousness of God that is given by faith. As it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, friend, it is sad 
how few in the body of Christ understand these core, essential biblical truths. Many years ago, I was at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. This is, I love the convention. It's a convention of thousands of Christian communicators that all converge for this uh, once a year event. And I was uh, threading my way through the giant exhibition hall. There were hundreds of exhibitors that were there. And as I was heading out the door of the exhibition hall, there was a gentleman with a camera and a microphone. (laughs) Uh, I know, you're at a convention of Christian broadcasters, someone with a camera and microphone. Well, and anyway, he kind of motioned me over and he started, he just asked me one question. And here was the question. He said, what is the gospel? And I shared from him Romans chapter 1, verse 17, what I just said. And also in Romans chapter 3, that talks about the right, you know, I just got done talking about this in Romans chapter 4. And the guy's jaw dropped. And you know what he said to me? He said to me, I have been interviewing person after person after person, broadcaster, Christian broadcaster now, after Christian broadcaster, after Christian broadcaster, pastor after pastor after pastor at this convention, and you are the very first person to answer it correctly. Now, that uh, gentleman was a young man who works with uh, Dr. Michael Horton, who is a Reformed uh, scholar and theologian, and uh, I don't know if he still has it, but I know uh, he was recording some material for uh, Dr. Horton's White Horse Inn radio program. I don't know if my interview got on there or not. Probably it did. But isn't that sad, though? That's, this, the point I'm trying to make is, man, all of us should know this. And, and dear friend, this is not just how you get into the Christian life. It's how you live the Christian life. Listen to me. This is how you live the Christian life. The Bible, God's word, declares the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And do you know that that comes up four key, critical, important places in the Bible? We see in Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17, I just mentioned it. The just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. And two verses before Hebrews chapter 11, the big chapter on the subject of the just shall live by faith, guess what? We see in Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Now, dear friend, if you're not living by faith and you're really not living the Christian life, I'm not sure what you're living, but it isn't the Christian life, and you're failing miserably, and so am I when I'm not walking by faith. But listen, faith has nothing at all to do with you. Faith has everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is faith in another person altogether. It's not faith in your pastor. It's not faith in your favorite Bible teacher. It's not even faith in your favorite Bible podcaster like me. No, it is faith in another person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's not faith in you. This is faith in Christ in you. This is faith 
in a person who is in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, believer, are in Christ. That faith in Christ, that believing is informed by the Scripture, the Word of God. You know, a lot of Christians don't, they struggle in this because they really don't know what the Word of God says about the Lord Jesus. I like to speak of the three great realities. Reality number one is Christ himself. Reality number two is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.28. And the other reality is the one we've been talking about the last several episodes of this series, and that is you, believer, in Christ. And, you know, it's amazing how many people miss this. In fact, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the leading Jews, the leading scholars, the leading religious leaders, completely missed the fact that the Lord Jesus himself is our life. In John 5, beginning in verse 39, the Lord Jesus said this to them. He said this, "'You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life.'" And these are they which testify about me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Oh, this is so important. Again, it's in John 5, 39 to 40. The scripture, the Bible, is that which testifies of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, based on that testimony, we must come to him for life. Now, friend, this life that the Bible is speaking of, that Jesus is speaking about, is not some sort of lifestyle or method on how to live the life. Jesus himself is the life. We are not living for him. We are living from him, on him. He is my source of life, and not just life in the hereafter, the abundant eternal life now. Jesus himself is the life. In John 14, 6, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that was quite to the astonishment of his disciples. Jesus was telling them, look, guys, the way is not a thing that you have to find. I am the way. You have me, you have the way. The truth is not some sort of an it, some sort of a thing. Jesus said, if you have me, I am the truth and the life. This is the life more abundant. This is the eternal life. Jesus declared, I am the life. John 14, 6. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Most Christians are familiar with the first part of the verse, but not the second part. The first part of the verse says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And you know, sad to say, most Christians only quote that first part of the verse, and they ignore the vital rest of the verse that says this, for, here's the reason why without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is is, and that he 
is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Wow, do you see how God-centered Hebrews 11.6 is? You ought to read that and especially pay attention to that second part. I've got to move along. You see, walking by faith requires that we look to God. And remember, God is spirit, and by definition, your physical eyes and physical ears and all your physical body can't see spirit. God is the one who operates in the unseen. Jesus said in John 4.24 that God is spirit, and those who worship him, listen, must worship in spirit and truth. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 1 Peter 1.8 says this, Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's 1 Peter 1.8. The just shall live by faith. Later on, in Romans chapter 4, we were reading verses 5 through 8 earlier. Later on in verse 16, it says, It is of faith that it might be according to grace. And we've spent some time earlier in this series talking about it. Someone has wisely said that faith appropriates or takes hold of what God already has provided through his grace. That's good. Faith appropriates what God has already provided through his grace. You see, God himself is the source of all blessing. And this comes from his infinite heart of love. Well, today we're uh, bringing to a landing on your life and my life this series, Blessed Beyond Imagination. And in conclusion, we have seen in this series how through human history, God richly blesses his people. From Adam and Eve, where in Genesis 1.28, he tells them, It says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then onward through the Bible. But the people, and we talked about so many over several lessons that were blessed, even though they didn't deserve it. But we also pointed out that the the people that are the most blessed of all are every man, woman, and child who is in Christ. And it's not because of their goodness or their righteousness, but because of God's goodness and righteousness in Christ. Dear child of God, if you are born again through the Lord Jesus Christ, this means you are in Christ. You are in the firstborn one, the most favored one, who is the most blessed of our Father. And therefore, believer, you are blessed just as much as Jesus, the firstborn, is blessed. You are highly favored just as much as Jesus, the firstborn, is highly favored. You are loved just as much as Jesus, the firstborn, is loved. And that's because, not because you're so good, or I'm so good. It's because God is that good. It is by God's grace 
because you are in Christ, the one who is blessed beyond imagination. It is because of that that you, child of God, are indeed blessed beyond imagination. You know, I'm recording this right in the middle of a, of a horrible worldwide pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19. Dear friend, it doesn't matter what these circumstances are. You still are blessed beyond imagination. Why? Because you're in the most blessed one. And dear friend, you can't get out of that blessed one. Coronavirus, COVID-19 can't do it. The devil can't do it. You can't even do it. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, dear listening friend, I just said a few moments ago, if you are born again through the Lord Jesus Christ, let me talk to you if you are not born again. Jesus was speaking to a sincere religious leader in Israel 2,000 years ago who had come, snuck in at night to talk to him. And Jesus said, this is recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. And then in John, the condition of the human race is this. In John three eighteen, talking to the same religious leader, Jesus said, He who believes in Christ, in the Lord Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the remedy. John 3.16, maybe you've heard this incredible verse that's so packed with rich, glorious truth. For God so loved the world, including you, dear friend, that whoever would believe on him, and I love the word whoever in the Bible because that includes little old me. Listening friend, that includes you. Whoever believes in him, not about him, but of personal reliance, trusting faith in him. I'm sitting in a chair right now because I trusted this chair would hold me up. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about, the faith that will put and rest your entire life on one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, on him, would not perish. The Bible describes the life of the person naturally coming into this world, part of Adam's fallen race, as dead in trespasses and sins. It says in Ephesians 2, 3, by nature, children of wrath, even as the others. That's what it means, should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me say that verse again. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe on him, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever should believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. 
And in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Many years ago, 38 years ago, 37 years ago, I believe. No, 39. 1981, I was a college student, and I began to realize these things that I'm telling you right now, dear friend. And I was uh, alone in my dorm room, all by myself, not in a church. And I remember getting down upon my knees and saying, Lord, I recognize that I am a sinner. I am lost in my sin. And I called upon the only name that can save, the name of Jesus. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, I said that, I said, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Lord, you died. You live again. For me, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made on to salvation. Dear friend, the Bible has this word called repent. Repent. It's a very much misunderstood word, but what the Bible means when it says repent, it means to turn from yourself, from trusting in yourself, trusting in your feeble, messed up righteousness and goodness, to turn from that, to turn completely unto the Lord, to put your full belief and your full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Dear friend, with all that is in me, I call upon you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. If that is something that you're ready to do right now with personal faith, I want you to pray along with me. In fact, I want you to repeat the words in this prayer and I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Dear Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for loving a sinner like me unworthy, unrighteous, and lost. Dear Father, thank you that you love me so much that you gave your Son, the Lord Jesus, that if I would believe on him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. Dear God, I stop trusting in myself. I put my full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that he died for me. He died for my sins. He died to transform me from a sinner into a saint. I believe that, Lord. I believe that you're saving me now. And I give you praise I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart, dear Father, that you have raised him from the dead. And through that, you have saved 
me now. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to stop by our website, the Daily in Christ org website, dailyinchrist.org. And up there in the menu, you'll see a thing that says contact. I want to hear from you, and I want to encourage you. And dear friend, I want you to go to a Bible-believing Christian. Tell them about what God has done in your life. And go to a Bible-believing church. Now listen, there's a lot of churches that are out there, but sad to say, not all of them believe in the Bible. Go to a truly Bible-believing, Christian, Christ-centered church, and you'll be so glad you did. Dear friend, it's a joy, as always, to be able to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with you, to share the fact and the reality that God is so incredibly good, that he is a blessing God. And dear believer, he has blessed you and I beyond imagination. This transforms our lives. This makes us new creatures in Christ. This makes us righteous, holy, and blessed. God's favored people, given the blessing that is given to his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, loved just as much as he is. Dear friend, we are indeed blessed beyond imagination. I want to let you know that this entire series, all 18 parts, is available at our website right now, dailyinchrist.org. That's dailyinchrist.org. Friend, I want you to share uh, with others about the Daily in Christ podcast. Let them know that they can hear it. It's available on all sorts of podcasting uh, platforms. Uh, Just use your particular uh, podcasting app. Or if you're not sure how to do that, visit our website at uh, dailyinchrist.org. When you get there, click on the podcast uh, link menu. And then you'll see a link that tells you how to get the Daily in Christ podcast. Again, that's at dailyinchrist.org. I'm Mark Van Oos, and it's always my joy and my privilege to let you know, dear friend, always remember Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him.